how powerful prayer is. And I hope that you don't give up, that you don't give up on your children, that you don't give up on your grandchildren. We are thankful for the mothers that are here that uh, are, are praying for their children and grandchildren every day. Their grandchildren, like I, was out running amok and I mean absolutely had lost my mind and was living a life of absolute degradation and sinfulness. But there is no such thing as a person who has fallen so far that God cannot reach him. And you, uh, you believe and trust that God is using your prayers to move into their hearts and into their lives. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. What I want to talk to you about for the remainder of our time this morning is uh, the children for Christ. The children for Christ. It, it, was, it, was, uh, it was something this morning in Sunday school that we wound up in Matthew chapter 18, and the disciples came to the Lord and said, Lord, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? And, uh, of course, they were expecting it was going to be me, me, me. You know, they were wanting to be the greatest. And may I say that uh, that is a very unchristian-like attitude, especially for the apostles, the disciples of Christ, to have a desire to be the greatest in anything. I, I, I want God to be the greatest. Amen. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? I'll tell you. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? And that's God Himself. And uh, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus Christ, amen, the King of kings and Lord of lords. But he brought a little child before him and he set him on his knee or in his lap and, and uh, pointed at him and said, you want to know who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? It's going to be somebody like this. It's not going to be this. It's not going to be him. It's not going to be you. It's not going to be them. But it's going to be somebody that has the attitude, the heart, the desire, the humbleness, the humility of a little child. My friend, I want you to realize something, that you have an unprecedented window of opportunity into the hearts and minds and lives of children, not only as mothers, but especially as mothers, because I believe that is the express ministry that God has given to mothers is to share the Lord with their children and grandchildren and other children, maybe neighbor's children, it doesn't matter, but share the Lord with children because they are open and receptive to the things of God. You look at verse 13 in Mark chapter 10, and you'll, uh, you'll find some words there. If I can get to it in my own Bible, I don't know how I flipped the pages. I had it there a while ago, but in uh, chapter 10 and verse beginning in verse 13. Boy, these pages are sticky. Verse 13 reads like this, And they brought young children to Him, to the Lord, that He should touch them, and His disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto Me, forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, 
shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Father, again, we love you. We thank you for your love, for your mercy. We thank you for this opportunity again to be in your house with your people this morning. God, just to share your word. God, to share you. We need you more than anything else in our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives. God, we're raising children in, a, in an unprecedented time. God, where they're, they're teaching them, God, that they don't even know whether they're boys or girls. God, help us as parents and grandparents to bring some sanity to the table. God, that we might share the truth of your word into the hearts and minds of our, of our children, our boys and girls. God, that they might come into an intimate love relationship with you. We'll give you the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, that verse 1 says they. They. He arose from thence came to the coast. You know what I did? You do know, don't you? Well, we're going to back up and do it again. They brought children to Him and the Bible says that He touched, that He should touch them. They, they brought children. Who are they? You see, that's, that's the first question that popped in my mind when I read that and I was studying for this message that they brought, they brought children. Well, that could be the teachers from their school, right? Wrong. You can bet that's not what they're getting from the schools today. That anybody's going to bring your children to Christ. And if you're putting your children on that big yellow bus and sending them off to school without bringing them to Sunday school, then you're selling out your children to the gods of this world. There are people in schools, in higher education, not only in elementary. Of course, here it says in verse 13 that they brought young children, young children to Him. They brought young children. How young? Well, I don't know. I don't believe. I remember Bob and Diane sitting there, two very, very close friends of mine, when their daughter was not even yet born. Bob was reading to her Scripture. While she was yet in the womb. Amen. Is that too young? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. Did it hurt anything? No. Absolutely. Did it help anything? I don't know. But I do know this. That their heart's desire was that that child grew up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And they were willing to sacrifice their time. And to bring that child to the Lord. And if they couldn't bring the child to the Lord, they would bring the Lord to the child. And we should do likewise. We should go the extra mile to do whatever it takes to share the Lord with our children. And they, well, I believe with all of my heart, more than likely, I don't know this for a fact, I'm reading in between the lines, but I also understand humanity, and I know how the church is today. I could probably do a head count, and we're doing really well. Did you know that back when I started, it's been 23 years ago, pastoring at the church down the street, it's amazing that I've been out here 23 years and that God hadn't killed me yet. But uh, certainly when I started down there, there was eight of us and five of us, uh, no, yeah, five of us was my family. We had three people that were showing up at church there. And through the years, I have noticed that most of the people that have sat on the pews of the church have been women. 
Now, why that is, I, I don't know, and I'm not trying to beat men up. I'll do that on Father's Day. It's coming. You just hold on, all right? But, but I do know that for some reason, and it's not only the church that I've been a pastor of, but even where I go and preach uh, revivals and, and different things, I always notice that the majority of the people sitting on church pews in churches today are women. They're women. And for some reason, the husbands want to send the wives to church with their children, and they think that they're escaping their responsibility by doing that. But just by simple deduction, this word they in my heart and mind, I understand that they're probably talking about the mothers. It says again, and they brought young children to him. I noticed that it didn't say that they brought their young children. To him, though I'm sure that that's probably the truth, that they were bringing their own young children to him. But maybe there were neighbors around that weren't going to the tabernacle, that weren't going to where Jesus was. And maybe they scooped up a few of them. Maybe they got them a bus ministry going. I don't know. But they were bringing... That's not a bad idea for around here. We have a large population around this lake that somebody could drive a bus around and just blow the horn with a sign on the side of it. Lake St. John Baptist Church, maybe recruit some children, get them into Sunday school classes that they might come to know the Lord. And they brought not only their young children, but possibly others' young children to Him. And why did they bring Him? You see, it's not that they just might see Him. But it says that they brought Him that He should touch them. That He should touch them. Do you want Jesus Christ To touch your children, your grandchildren, your neighbor's children, any child. You see, there there was a thing going around years ago. I I think it was Miss Miss Clinton, something about no child left behind. And they were talking about a secular education and and that that it takes a village to raise your children and and all of those things. Well, listen, I don't think that it takes a a village to raise my child. It might yours. I don't know. Maybe yours was worse than mine, but mine was pretty. They were heathens, uh, almost as bad as I myself was. But I don't need a nation or a, 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 a group. Now, I don't need a town to help me raise my child. I need God. I need the Lord. I need the Holy Spirit of God in my life. And I need the Holy Spirit of God in my children's life. And I, I want to bring them to church in order that they might be touched by God. Now I know that we're living in a in a world that uh good Lord, there's there's so much absolute debauchery and degeneration and horrible things that are taking place in children's lives today. Not only today, but even back when I was a child, there were There were people you just didn't want to leave your children with. Amen. You had to be careful. You had to be careful who you would use as a babysitter and who would come into your home. And and, uh, even while you were in your home with your children asleep and what people who were spending the night at your house. And you have to be careful with those things. Why? Because of the depravity of humanity. People are sick. People are lost. People are spiritually dead. People are separated from God. And you can't tell the wheat from the tares sometimes. Not even in in church. 
You've got to be on guard. And I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm heartbroken that we're living in a day like that. That we're living in a time like that. But my friend, there is no time like the present. Not only to bring yourself to church. That you might study the Word of God and hide it in your heart. That you might not sin against God. But that you might bring your children to church. That the Holy Spirit of God that is in that church, that Christ, the Spirit of Christ, might reach into the mind, reach into the heart of that child, illuminate, regenerate, wake up, and draw that child to Christ. It might not be today, but you plant a seed, you reap a harvest. You know the, you know the law of the harvest. We're farmers. We're living in Louisiana, out in the country. There's corn growing right across the street. You know the law of the harvest. You plant a seed... You reap a harvest. But when you plant a seed, you're not, you plant corn, you're not going to reap soybeans. You're going to get what you plant. You're going to get what you sow. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if we plant the Word of God in a child's heart, what do you think it's going to come back as? Well, I hope and pray that the power of the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, that it might reach into their minds and hearts and illuminate and regenerate and draw and save. But not only do you plant a seed and reap a harvest, you plant what you sow and you, you reap what you plant, but you reap more than you plant. You plant one seed, you get back a stalk with hundreds of seeds on it. And you know what God does. He gives you a talent. He gives you a coin, you invest that coin, it becomes many coins. He gives you the ability to be a witness and a testimony of your own life, of what God has done. And you reach in not only to your own children, but into other people's children's lives, and you reap much benefit and reward from what it is that God has done in your life. And you plant it in your child's, and that becomes a stalk. And it also, you plant a seed. You get back more than you plant, but you get back later than you plant. You don't immediately stick it in the ground and overnight it just flourishes, turns into something. But my friend, it takes nurture. It takes, it takes time. It takes love and gentleness and kindness and patience. And Oh, wait a minute, some of those are the... Fruit of the Spirit. It love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and all of those things, the fruit of the Spirit living on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pour that into the hearts and into the minds and into the lives of our children. We plant the seed of the Gospel and we water it with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. And all of a sudden, not tomorrow, not next week, or even next year, but down the road, you see what God in all of that, all of that effort, all of that time, what it does in a person's life. I didn't, uh, I didn't have really a praying mother or a praying father for that matter. But I did have people that loved me and prayed for me. I just lost the last one, my Aunt Teeny. What a What a prayer warrior. What a soldier for Christ she was. She took me in, gave me a place to sleep, put food in my belly. When I was rotten, I was terrible. She loved me. You see, that's what love is. 
That's what the love of God shed abroad in our hearts does for people. It, it pours out of self into somebody else. And especially when we're talking about a Mother's Day, mothers pouring themselves into their children that their children might come to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and that they also might marry husbands and wives and that they might have children of their own and that seed that you planted in your son, that seed that you planted in your daughter not only flourished in his life, but now it's flourishing into a field of lives for the glory and honor of God. You see, you're not doing it primarily for the benefit of your children or your grandchildren. It's not about them at all, actually. It's all about the glory of God and us living our lives in such a way that brings glory and honor to Him. It goes on to say in verse 14, it says, But when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased. What was He displeased about? The disciples rebuked those that brought their children to the Lord. Have you ever seen that happen? I have. I've had people in, in uh, revival situations as well as church situations that somebody had their children and their children was getting up and kind of walking around going to the bathroom. They were being a little noisy. They were just being kids. Lady sitting beside them, lady sitting behind them, man sitting in front of them, gets distracted and aggravated. Those things ought not so to be. You want to send them over to a children's church when they're real little so they can learn, you know, some little Bible verses and songs and things like that, amen. But by the time they reach six, seven, eight years old, you know where I think they ought to be? They ought to be sitting right there on that pew. They ought to be sitting under the Word of God. They ought to be hearing the Word of God preached. And if they're a little bit distracting, we hope that you have grown in the nurture and admonition of the Lord yourself to a state of maturity that you can overlook their immaturity and that you can love them in spite of their immaturity and that you can love them to the Lord, not only at home and out in the street and, and bringing them to church, but allowing them to be children in church. That they Now listen, I believe that they ought to sit there and listen. Ain't no sense in being crazy. But certainly, if they act like children from time to time, we as adults ought to act like adults from time to time and lead them and guide them and direct them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We should love them. And when the Lord saw that these people were telling them why, why, don't, don't bring that little baby, don't bring that child, don't bring that young man up to the Lord so that he can touch them. He's busy. He's too busy for kids. he got stuff to do. My friend, that is the stuff Jesus does. He reaches into people's hearts and souls and minds. And when He saw it, He was much displeased and said, Suffer. You know what that word suffer means? It just means to allow. Allow the little children to come unto me. Well, oh no, and forbid them not. Now, forbid them means for you to just put your foot down and say no. Well, you got to take them children back in there in the cry room or over here to another building. You got to do something to where they don't distract, you know, the adults because the adults are trying to they're trying to hear and trying to learn the word of God. My friend, if you've been in church for a year, five years, ten years, fifty years. Certainly, you should know enough of the Word of God that you ought to want your children in here to sit under the preaching of the Word of God that they might come to know 
the God that you know in the intimate way that you know Him. But it says, Allow your children to come unto Me. Forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying, and I don't believe the Bible is saying, that the kingdom of God is only made up of little children. But what it is saying is that it is made up of people who have the humility and the humbleness of mind and heart to not let it be about them, but to let it be about God and to surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Have you ever talked to the the little children about Jesus? You know, the the, the strangest thing is, is that that they reach out and they just grab that with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Jesus or the Easter Bunny. So you've got to be careful what it is you plan in their minds. Because they're humble and they believe you and they trust you. And now they grow up and they say, well, that wasn't true. I wonder if this was. You've got to be careful. But we can, we can not suffer, not allow the little children, to come unto Jesus by us standing in the way. Oh, not literally standing up and saying, oh, don't bring that little little baby in here. You know, he needs to be somewhere else while this is going on. No, he needs to be under the preaching of the Word of God. And what you're doing by saying that is you are not allowing the children to come to the Lord. But, you know, sometimes it might even be more simple than that. Not only am I standing up and verbally saying, oh, don't do that, but it's just the very attitude that we have towards children and towards parents about their children sometimes. So I, I, I've, boy, I, I've been to revivals uh, at other people's church and seen people of the family, of the pastor that has children that are running amok and going, you know, up and down the aisles. And to be honest with you, I think that there should be some discipline and rigidity there that you teach them to honor and to respect the house of God. But for others to get so upset that they say, well, I'm just not coming back. Don't you hate it when that happens? I love that. That's a nice sound. You look back at your word in verse 15 says this, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall not enter therein. Now wait a minute. What, what are you saying? Are you telling me that if I look down my long religious nose at children and I don't, uh, I, I, don't, I don't open the doors for kids just to come in and sit under the... When I'm wanting them to go somewhere else that I might be able to listen and hear and, and do better, receive more for myself. Are you telling me that I'm being selfish and that I may not even be saved? That I might not even be a child of God myself? Do you understand it says that of such, of such as what? Of such as a little child. How is a little child? A little child is humble and submissive. And puts others first rather than self because that's how we're raising them. And yet, we're raising them to be different than what we're showing them in our own hearts and lives if we're not making provisions for them to be able 
to sit under the sound of the Word of God and come into a, a place that they can be touched by the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus said. Some of the little children to come into me and He opened the door for them to come in that He may touch them. And when we're talking about touching them, we're talking about touching their mind, touching their heart, drawing them to Himself that they might be saved. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. How do you receive the children of God as a little child? With open arms. With humility. With self-sacrifice. With being willing to step outside of my comfort zone that others... Oh, that's, that's what it says in Philippians. Now I see... Look not on the things of yourself, but those on the things of others as well. In other words, I'm not only supposed to think about the things that I need and that I want and that I have to have in my life, but I should set those aside that I might like to look at the needs in other people's lives, especially of little children. Because the Bible says that the angels, they're angels. Do you know that they, little children, have angels and those angels' faces are before the Lord day and night. They're watching over those children. And they're reporting back to God and praying about those children and about the people's lives that are in control of those children. If I realize that there are angels watching over them and watching me, as I'm in control of their lives as a good steward of something God has placed in my possession. Those, those children aren't mine. Those children aren't yours. You think those are your kids? I know. They're not, they're not the, the governments. I'll promise you that. And don't you believe it when the government tells you that they are. No, no. God has given you those children as a good steward to take care of them. He has not given those children to the government to raise as they see fit and to do things behind your back without letting you know what they're doing in your children's lives. And you see, that is another way that we as parents and grandparents should be presenting ourselves in a way that allows our children to be touched by God by putting up a barrier between them and the world. We've got to look for ways to protect our children from the lion walking to and fro across this earth seeking whom he may devour. It says in verse 16, And he took them up in his arms. He took them up. He touched them. He did what they were brought to do. They brought young children to Him. They brought them to Him that He might touch them. There were those that were trying to interfere and stop Him from touching them. There were those that were trying to interfere and stop those that were trying to bring their children as well as other children to the Lord that they might be touched. But I want you to realize something, but that it is God Himself that stood up in verse 14. But when he saw it, he was much displeased. And I'm telling you that God is looking. The angels of God, the angels of these children, the angels of God that have been designated to those children that are standing before God is bringing the attention of God to those children and to those families, to your life. 
as to what you're doing, whether you're hindering and standing in the way of those children, or whether you are being the good mothers that God has called and created you to be by not only bringing them. By the way, you don't just bring children to church. You don't just, as fathers, send them to church with your wives. You lead them by example. They see that in your life. They don't just hear it from the preacher or from the Sunday school teacher. They don't just hear it at home, but they see it in every area of your life. And he was, he was sore, displeased when he heard that people were getting in the way of these children. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not, if you don't receive the kingdom of God the way these little children would receive the children of God, if you got out of their way, then you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. And then he reached out and he grabbed one of them kids and he picked him up. He put his hands on him. And he picked him up. And he blessed him. Put his hands on him and blessed him. You know, I don't believe that that is... An empty blessing. I believe that it's a powerful thing. The, the only thing that God's touch can possibly be, and yes, Jesus is God in the flesh. When Jesus reached out and picked those children up and blessed them, God blessed them. Don't you want... Your children to be blessed. You say, well, my children aren't. My children are 12, 15, 17. They get a mind of their own. Yeah. They might have a, yeah, I believe in the freedom of the will. I believe that people are so free that they cannot do what they want to do at any given moment in their life. You're always going to do your greatest desire, but I know a God that can change your desire. I know a God that can change your heart. I know a God that can change a 10-year-old, 5- or 7-year-old's heart, a 10-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 50-year-old. Maybe your children are in their 40s or 50s and you're still praying for them. Praise God, don't give up. They're not gone yet. Do you have that kind of steadfast faith, commitment, not only to your children, but that kind of steadfast faith and commitment to the Lord that says, I will not stop praying for my children until either they're dead or I am. And then and only then is it too late. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your love and mercy. God, I thank You that as a child, even as a child, a young child, I was exposed to Your Word. Didn't understand it, didn't want it, didn't feel like I needed it back then. But God, when You take the Word of God with the Spirit of God and the prayers of sweet ladies that love people, and they pray, and they lift up souls to You, God. It has an impact. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous person availeth much. God, we thank You for that. For giving us something so powerful as prayer. That it can reach into not only a mind and a set of ears, but God, that the Holy Spirit can take it to the heart. And regenerate, illuminate, and draw and save. God, we trust You with our most precious 
assets, our children. God, we realize they're not ours. They're yours. We lay them at your feet and we pray, God, that you'll be merciful, that you'll touch and heal, illuminate, regenerate, save. God, will give you the glory and the honor for that. And we pray it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And I ask you to take a hymn book and stand.